Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good Sunday evening, everybody. Welcome to the Rocky Top Rewind. I am Eric Kane. That man right there is Brent Hubbs. And... We're happy to uh, have you guys here on YouTube, uh, the, the comment section here. Please send us your questions all hour long. We're going to be here live on YouTube until 9 o'clock Eastern time, recapping everything that was the Tennessee win over Virginia, 49-13. to Hit this like button. Help us get this video in front of more and more Tennessee fans, and we're going to have a whole lot of fun. We've got Cade Mays coming up, VFL. He's set to join us uh, tentatively at about 8.30, so in about 30 minutes, we'll hear from former Tennessee volunteer and current NFL offensive lineman, Cade Mays. But hey, want to give a quick shout-out. Couldn't do this. The Rocky Top Rewind every single week, Sunday night here at 8 o'clock without our friends Spivey King and Spivey LLP. Three partners, Matthew A. Spivey, J. Matt King, Richard A. Spivey. You got a problem, let them find a solution for you, TN Trial Lawyers. You can get a free estimate, a free consultation today if you give them a call. It's at 423-245-4185, 423-245-4185, or visit them online at spivykingandspivylp.com. Great guys, big Tennessee fans in Nashville yesterday. I was talking with them, big-time Vol fans, so if you ever have a need, give them a call today. All right, Brent Hubs, it was uh, business as usual for Tennessee in the mid-states. Uh, we can get into the to the crooks and cranny of it all as as the hour goes on. But at the end of the day, Tennessee was expected to win big. Tennessee won big, one and zero to start the season. Yeah, and I mean, I think it was a nice start. I mentioned this in the ten things. I think I think on Friday, heading into the the, the game, that I I thought it was good for Tennessee's offensive front to um, get a little bit of a challenge from a Power Five team and some. Power five athletes on Virginia's defensive front. That's not a great Virginia team by any means on either side of the ball, but I think it was good for the offensive line to get um, to go against some quality guys, um, you know, and not just play a, a, a de facto scrimmage game, if you will. Um, they had a little bit of adversity in the first half offensively to fight through, which I think is a positive form as well. And I think the story everybody's talking about today, aside from Joe Milton, who's a, who's going to be a story every week that he's Tennessee's quarterback, Eric, uh, is where Tennessee's defense was and what they looked like on, on Saturday. That was a fast defense that played pretty doggone violent, uh, pretty angry, if you will. Uh, I thought they tackled uh, really well. Um, so, I, I mean, I think that the def- I think defensively they got a lot of good things done. So, uh, was was pretty impressed with, with the defense. I know that uh, Tim Banks was super excited, Eric, going in. I know you interviewed him uh, for the Vol Network, and I bumped into him, had a couple casual conversations with him in the last two weeks. He was really excited to see where this defense was. And, uh, you know, there's plenty to work on, but I, I think that he it has to be excited about where they, were, where they are coming out of uh, week one with the win over Virginia. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, you know, it's – no football game is ever going to be perfect. You know, Alabama, Georgia, the last two national champions, they don't ever play a perfect game. But, you know, week one's definitely not perfect. And you can win 49 to 13 and still have a lot of areas where you can improve on. And we'll discuss that as the uh, as the show goes on, of course, as the week goes on. But C.J. Shaw, 114, sends us a uh, super chat. I want to thank you for that. Appreciate that. But he's got a question for us. Uh, love the content. We all know yesterday was not perfect. Where do you want to see some improvements? Um, it's a good conversation to have. I think, you know, defensively, they'll get tested more as the season goes on, no doubt. That was a bright spot. I'd like to see some more players play in the, at the safety position, Brent. But, you know, offensively, there was a lull there in the first half. We'll get into it more here in a little bit. But there was a lull, and uh, there were some miscommunications at times and some sloppy play. I think more consistency and, and not that long of a dry spell offensively where you go turnover on downs, three straight punts, and then you get back into scoring offense. I want to see that dry spell go away moving forward for Tennessee's offense. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, you, you know, I, I'm going to be really curious to see what Josh Heupel has to say um, on Monday in his review of the game. 
Um, Joe Milton said he really liked where his eyes were. It felt like his eyes were really good. I'm curious to see if Josh Heupel feels that way after watching the film. Um, did they leave a lot out there? Did they miss some obvious things? Kind of where was it? He's not going to – even if Joe misses a, missed quite a bit of stuff, I don't think he's going to throw his quarterback under the bus. But I'm kind of curious to see what they felt like they may have left out there, uh, what Joe might have missed. Um, I, I think you had the receivers have some blunders too. I think they've got to yeah. clean up some things based on Josh Heupel's comments, right? I mean, just talking about kind of – they were a little bit out of sync. I think they missed some things in terms of there's so much route adjustment in this offense uh, that they have to do. I think they, they missed a couple of things there as well. Uh, somebody posted this on the board earlier today. I thought it was a great stat. It's something to keep an eye on. It's Tennessee's third down struggles. Um, you go back to the end of last year when Joe Milton became the engineer of this offense. Uh, they were over on third down against Vanderbilt. Now they turned two of those third downs into – first downs on on fourth down conversions but yeah. uh they, they didn't convert many offensive third downs uh, at vanderbilt i think they were three of 13 against clemson uh five of 18 or something like that yesterday gotta get a little better on third down um i know they still scored a bunch of points but but they can be better on third down and then um they gotta they gotta kick the ball better you, you can't kick two kickoffs out of bounds and you can't shank two punts um I think the punter's going to be okay. I think Jackson Ross will be okay. I get that was his first time in a college game. But, I mean, you're going to play in a night game in games with Florida in two weeks where it's going to get loud. Mm-hmm. So, um, he's got to get settled in quickly. I, and I think he will, but that's something that you want to see him really pick up his performance this week and, and ha- have much more confidence heading into his first true road trip in a hostile environment. We see a Stingray, Herb, Rich, uh, Cricket, we see your questions. We'll uh, we'll answer those as the show goes on. Um, you know, Megan was putting up some video and some pictures up there a moment ago, and I, I want to start with the bang here. Um, you know, Tennessee's run game was really, really good yesterday. You know, tapping out to 287 yards, averaging over five yards per carry. He had a, a running back reach the century mark, and that's Jalen Wright. 115 yards rushing, 9.6 yards per carry. He was phenomenal. You know, the story is Dylan Sampson, of course. He had four total touchdowns. That first play, you wrote about it. I've talked about it. Um, you know, Joe's, it's, it's fourth and five from, from the nine. You're, you're going for it, setting the tone for the season. Love the call. Don't like the fourth and one on your own 29, but I love this one, right? <laughs> Maybe a little hypocritical. Uh, but he, Joe sits back there, and he looks to his third read, and that's Dylan Sampson out there on the flat. Those at him, that's a touchdown. But the story, Sampson was four total touchdowns, but he ran hard. Jabari Small ran hard. Jalen Wright ran hard. This Tennessee rushing attack was really good yesterday. Really good with the rotation of the offensive line. Allowed Tennessee to take a big lead. And, of course, allowed Tennessee to operate its offense. One of the more underrated parts of Josh Heupel's offense is the run game. And it was really impressive against Virginia. Yeah, and and listen, and I wrote about this this afternoon. And and I think this is... um, this is a credit to Josh Heupel and a credit to the, the Tennessee coaching staff uh, from the standpoint of just being patient and taking what's given to them out there, Eric. I mean, Virginia came out in that first drive. Their two safeties are back deep. They're in cover two. They, they've got six men in the box. And Tennessee said, okay, if you're going to play six men in the box, then we're going to line up and just come right at you in the run game. And, and they did. Um, I thought it was fascinating when you look at Grant's snap count the, the balance that they had, 28 snaps for Wright, 27 for Sampson, 26 for Jabari Small, so much for riding the hot hand in that game. You just <laughs> you, you balanced it out there. Um, but to me, and this is not a takeaway from Small, this is not a takeaway from Dylan Sampson's four touchdowns, Jalen Wright's in a different place right now, in my Agreed. opinion, as a running back. He's running more physical. His balance is better. The thing I noticed from Jalen Wright that really showed up more in the rewatch than, than it even did live, and I thought it showed up live, he was much more patient as a back yesterday, setting guys up. He, he, didn't, he didn't run himself into trouble. There were a couple of times he kind of hesitated to hit the backside. His vision and his patience, he seemed like he had a much better rhythm with his offensive line than we've seen, and, and he was even the leading rusher on this team a year ago. Um, so we'll see. They're going to face much greater challenges uh, moving forward, much greater test. But but obviously a great start to the run game. And Jalen Wright backed up everything we've heard about him 
all summer long and all preseason long because I thought he was by far the best back on the field for Tennessee yesterday and the best back in the game. Yeah, I would agree. He he was running at a different level. He's improved so much running between the tackles, you know, throughout his collegiate career. And you're right, he was patient. I noticed that big time on the rewatch. He was taking what was in front of him. He would wait, let the hole open up. He would cut back. Uh, his vision was good. Uh, he was really good yesterday. And what I like about Tennessee is too, and you know, the broadcast when I went back and watched it on uh, you know this afternoon, it was. Yeah, hey, we talked to Tennessee's coaching staff. It's going to be a 40-40-20 split. 40, you know, 40% goes to Wright, small, 20% goes to Sampson, but they'll ride the hot hand. And you saw it a couple times yesterday where they would run, no pun intended, right all the way down the field. And then he'd get tired. It's a 12-play drive, tap out, come out, small comes in, or Sampson comes in, scores a touchdown. It happened to small one time. They ran him, they threw it to him, and they were very active in the past game, and they go all the way down the field. He'd get tired a fresh back comes in with fresh legs. What a luxury it is for Tennessee to have three backs you can count on and, and utilizing games like yesterday. Well, and what maturity from those backs to tap out, right? Yeah. At the nine-yard line, and you're getting ready to score. You put in all the work, and you're going to go, hey, get somebody else in here to finish this thing off. Not not a ton of backs are going to be doing that. Um, and I don't know that the coaching staff wants that all the time because it slows down the tempo sometimes when you make that sub. Yeah, one time but, it allowed a fresh defensive line to come yeah. in for Virginia. Probably not what Tennessee wanted. No, but. and that'll probably come up in the film study for sure, but shows a lot of the lack of selfishness in that room. Jerry Max talked about the culture he has in his running back room and the cohesiveness and the brotherhood he has with that group. You know, that, that's a that says a lot about the maturity of those guys. Who says, you know what, we I need a fresh guy in here to finish this drive off. Um I'm impressed with those guys and they had great balance with those, with the snap counts yesterday and it was hot. And I think the heat got to everybody a little bit, got to, got to Tennessee a little bit. They plowed through it and pushed through it and they'll be better for it in two weeks when they play in the humidity in Gainesville, Florida. So it was good for them to get a hot day. It was good for them to play a power five opponent. I don't think there was anything negative about playing that game yesterday in the situation that they were playing in. Yeah, I would agree. Run game looked good. Offensive line, the rotation in front of them looked good. Facing some adversity, we'll get into a little bit more in a moment. Plus, Joe Milton, his performance, and that defense, all that coming up here on the Rocky Top Rewind. Plus, Cade Mays going to join the program here at about 8.30. But want to give a quick shout-out to Spivey King and Spivey LLP. They allow this coverage to happen here on the Rocky Top Rewind. Matthew A. Spivey, J. Matt King, Richard A. Spivey, you got a problem, let them find a solution for you. As TN Trial Lawyers, they specialize in criminal defense, family law, personal injury. Examples of that could be DUI, homicide, assaults. The firm is, has a vast amount of trial experience. Practice has been in place for 43 years with this specific partnership since 2012, while also having partners who are energized for today's modern legal demands. Practicing primarily in Northeast Tennessee, the Tri-Cities of Sullivan County, as well as Hawkins County, Washington County, and surrounding areas, the firm has won multiple awards have attorneys who are rated by super lawyers in the Mid-South with real trial experience. Whether you're injured in a car accident, you need a divorce, help with custody of your children, or have been accused of a crime, Spivey King and Spivey LLP is here to help you. Go see them in person today at 142 Cherokee Street in Kingsport, Tennessee. A free consultation by picking up the phone at 423-245-4185. You can always see them online as well at LLP.com. If you got a problem, let them find a solution for you. As TN Trial Lawyers at Spivey King and Spivey, LLP. More of the Rocky Top Rewind coming up next. Welcome back into the Rocky Top Rewind. I am Eric Kane. That man is Brent Hubbs. It's presented by Spivey King and Spivey, LLP. We'll be here until 9 o'clock Eastern time. BFL Cade Mays coming up in just about 15 minutes. Want to run through some questions here, Brent. Uh, we got some injury questions. Rich wants to know about Amari Thomas. Is he okay? And uh, Stingray wants to know about Squirrel White. Now, Amari Thomas, bit banged up. He came back into the football game. Notice that on the rewatch. Uh, Squirrel White was down. He did not come back in the game, but any news on the injury front here on a uh, Sunday evening? Yeah, I mean, Omari Thomas is fine. I mean, I think that was heat-related. He he played quite a few snaps in a row there, and um, I think there was a little bit of cramping maybe going on with him. He was fine, came back. Tyler Barron got nicked up. He was fine and came back. Squirrel White um, looked like he was either cramping or maybe his hamstring was tightening up a little bit, and he looked pretty winded over there um, when, when he was laying on the turf. He never went into injury 10 on the sideline. He kind of walked it off on the side. I think Tennessee was at a point in the game where they said, you know what, we need to get Dante, try to get Dante Thornton going anyway. Let, let's let him go. So I, I think Squirrel could have could have come back into the game. 
Uh, but I think Tennessee elected to go a different direction. That was a squirrel white type game with the way that that Florida or that Virginia was playing. And somebody had mentioned uh, in the comment section that they didn't really like the lateral passing game that Tennessee was imploring uh, in that game. But that's kind of how Virginia was was challenging them to play. And and that's that diversity in the slot receiver position that we talk about, right? Jalen Hyatt last year, it was all vertical when you got into a lot of that man coverage stuff and you got the isolations that you wanted, it was it was take off with him. When somebody plays off that much, you want to go back to the little Valus Jones action, kind of what yeah. they did with Valus in the slot two years ago. Squirrel fits that mold more than he does the Jalen Hyatt mode. That doesn't mean Squirrel can't run because he can run, but he's got a lot more wiggle to him. He's got more wiggle to him than Dante Thornton does. So that was kind of a – with the way Virginia was playing defense, it was kind of tailor-made to flip it out there to Squirrel White and – let him go to work and the drive that he got hurt on was his best work of the day in terms of making people miss. Um, so that that's the beauty of this offense, Eric, they, they can, they can really flex and do a lot of different things depending on how you want to play them. I mean, they, they dictate, you know, they force you to spread out wide and then you've got to make a real decision. You got to, I'm going to load up to stop the run. If I do, I'm going to take my chances on the perimeter. Um, if I want to keep the big play from happening and limit that Tennessee only had two plays of 20 yards or more, we're going to try to keep it all in front of us. Tennessee's pretty comfortable running the football and just cramming it down your throat and doing some of that lateral stuff, which is the way that Virginia elected to play him. And that was Tennessee's answer and an answer to the tune of 49 points on a day where you left and went, man, it didn't really play well on offense. What, what a world we're living in now. What, what a, a set of expectations that Josh Heupel has created when 49 points in the opener is a real disappointing day for Tennessee. Against, by the way, an ACC school, not not against a directional school. It was against an ACC school that played some teams pretty close last year. So um, I get it. I understand it's where they're at, and, and there's plenty of things to work on, but that's kind of why they ended up that way. By, by the way, for those of you not watching, the defense has yet to get off the bus um, in Orlando at Camping World Stadium. I know Florida State <laughs> got to stop inside the five on the opening drive, but Notre Dame's gone up – or Notre Dame, Brian Kelly, you're not there anymore. You're at LSU. <laughs> uh, they've gone up and down the field twice. Uh, they've got seven points to show for it. Now Florida State's got the ball for the second time. That game is knotted up at seven apiece. It's been a passing frenzy for both of those. Yeah, somebody asked us on the board earlier this morning, kind of unloaded some questions here on a Sunday, and you go back and you rewatch and you have your day after and your ten things you think you learn. I go back and have the big three and make some other notes and – um, just kind of asking about you know some of these you know is are we spoiled with this offense because you expect to score every time and man it's fun covering this offense and everything but it, you, you kind of take it for granted a little bit we all do you're not going to score every single time but what you don't want is that lull and give the offense right. credit you go down the field you score on the first possession you turn over on down your second possession you punt three straight times out of sync you come back you score a touchdown with about four minutes left in the half. Then you get the ball back with under two minutes. You go 75 yards and score again with six seconds left on the clock. Offense did a good job in that regard, so I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, Herb says, Keaton missed a bomb. Oh, boy, did he. And that throw from Joe, <laughs> goodness. The ball was snapped at the 20. He threw it at the 15 from one hash, throws it all the way down to the other 20 on the other hash, just effortlessly, it looked like, and it was beautiful. Keaton's a good receiver. He's gonna drop, not going to drop many of those, but he dropped that one. Um, Rich says, I know Joe can throw a mile, but the short passing game worked well, and it did, kind of going back to what you were saying a moment ago. And, and I was tracking it a little bit, man. It, he had a couple of throws that he wanted to have back, three in particular on one drive in the first half, but I think Joe Milton was solid. He wasn't great. He definitely wasn't bad, and you can tell the work that he's been putting in on the touch passes, making the right decisions. I thought he was overall solid yesterday. Yeah, I thought so. I mean, he look, he threw one into coverage that a safety should have picked off. He should have yep. thrown an interception yesterday. Uh, then he had the one series where um, he missed, you know, Brew McCoy on a high on a high heat. Uh, it was up and away. Um, that was a ball way outside, uh, just a bad throw. And then he overthrew Keaton on that ball. But he also had the deep ball that was dropped by Keaton. The ball he threw to, to Brew McCoy where there should have been defensive pass interference in the end zone, in my opinion, and McCoy yeah. just didn't get his foot in bounce because he didn't know exactly where he was, uh, was a great ball. Um, the, the ball that was battered away in the end zone that was going to Dante Thornton, I'm still not convinced that Thornton ran that route exactly the right way. 
And I say that because the, the end zone was open. The middle was open. Their safety had vacated. If he turns that in kind of a skinny post, there's room for Joe to really throw uh, throw him open there. If that's supposed to be that straight seam there, either Joe was late with the ball or they're asking the quarterback to really drop that in a bucket to go over the DB's head and drop it in to the receiver before he steps out of the back of the end zone. That's a really hard throw there. Uh, but but overall, Joe did, you know, he did fine. I, I'm sure he missed some stuff, which, again, is what I want to ask Coach Heupel about tomorrow. Um, but I go back to that opening fourth down throw. Um, and, and everybody says, well, what, Joe looked like old Joe. Well, for a moment, maybe he did. But that was not an old Joe play mm-hmm. there. Um, his eyes were good. He read the field. Then physically, he did everything you wanted him to do. You know, you heard Joey Halsley talk about the improvement in his mechanics, getting his feet the right way, not just relying on the arm. He really got his body in the right position to throw that ball and put it out there in front of Sampson where he's not doing a pirouette. You know, if it's one of those deals that field was a little bit slick. If he throws it behind Sampson and he has to spin there, who's to say he doesn't fall down short of the first down marker, right? I mean, you got to lay that ball out in front and let him catch it in stride. That was a beautiful play. Now you say, well, you're just focused on one play. You're, you're going to say he played well because of one play. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that's evidence of the improvement that Joe Milton has made. But we also have to note that Joe Milton can play better. And I think Joe knows that. That's what he was indicating when he left the stadium on, on Saturday. You know, it's it's on to the next. We got the win. That's all I'm worried about. And let's go. Um, and, and so I think Joe you know, can continue to get better. I love this play here, the highlight or the still shot that Megan just showed of Joe Milton going into the end zone. He had two receivers open. His reasoning for not throwing the football is exactly why you don't throw the football there. Don't put it in harm's way if you can walk into the end zone. That's a mature football play. You're not worried about your stats. Get it in the end zone. Take the easy route there. He could have hit two guys for a touchdown pass, but it was a walk-in for him. Take the walk-in. That That's good football. That's the right thing to do as the quarterback. It was an RPO, and not meaning, you know, the, the run in RPO is not for the quarterback. It's give the football off or, you know, throw the football. But you're on, you know, you're inside the 10-yard line, and you can walk into the end zone. So that was a heads-up play, and he, he did a good job on that specific play uh, for sure. Now, let's get to some other questions. Again, we got Cave Mays coming on in about seven, eight minutes. Um, Michael says, or let's go to Ball Guy 23. Ball Guy 23, how did Castles look? Uh, McAllen Castles, transfer, tight end. Uh, he's a receiving tight end. A whole lot of work had to be done from spring over the summer to fall camp uh, in terms of getting him ready to, to block, to be an H-back, to be a hand-in-the-dirt tight end. And, uh, you know, just watching the film and watching it live yesterday, I thought he did a pretty good job. He pulled a lot. He, he was used as a lead blocker. Um, you know, he came across the middle and acted as a kick out a couple of times. I thought he looked pretty good. And, of course, Jacob Warren's in that role as well. I, I know you were impressed with McCallum Castles yesterday. And, of course, you know, Jacob Warren had the receiving touchdown, but I, I was equally impressed with Castle's debut in this Tennessee offense. Yeah, I think a good start. You know, I, I thought he he was more than willing in the run game. You know, he tried to finish blocks. Um, he didn't get gobbled up. I mean, he wasn't afraid of the contact. That's something he's not done a whole lot in his career. I think the other thing that was smart by Tennessee, get him lathered up. He played the most snaps of any of the tight ends. Um, and, and that's, you know, one, you, you got a veteran in Jacob Warren, you don't want to get him banged up, but you know, you're going to need all those guys and castles needed as much playing time as he could, as he could get. And, um, I, I thought he had a solid day that he's going to go back and watch that film and there'll be a million things in the run game that he can improve upon. But I think he has come a million miles from where he was in spring practice to me, Eric in spring ball, he did not look like a guy who was very comfortable with mm-hmm. a lot of things. This offense was totally different for him. The physicality he was asked to do, he didn't seem overly comfortable with. I think he's come a million miles since spring practice. And given where he was the last time we saw him to where he was now, I, I thought he played pretty well in the first game. Well, I mean, it's like learning a new language when you when you jump into a new offense, learning the offense, learning the verbiage. Oh, yeah, then there's the tempo aspect <laughs> of it. So uh, there was a lot going on for him and anybody that's new to this Tennessee offense. Another guy that was new to this Tennessee offense – Woo, John Campbell. JB Collins, 5781, says, can we please talk about John Campbell blocking that guy into the locker room? Cole Kublik brought it up on Twitter. Uh, I know Grant put it in uh, one of his stories. That was on um, one of the Joe Milton runs, I believe, and uh, or maybe Dylan Sampson, I forgot who. Anyway, b- nearly blocks him up the ramp. And, right. uh, you know, he's probably like, eh, 
might get flagged for that, but you know Ellerby and the rest of that offensive line are going to get a they're going to love looking at that on film come Monday morning. Well, if Reese from Channel Six would have gotten out of the way, he would have gotten him up the ramp. I mean, the only reason that stopped it was Reese got in the way, him and his camera. Um, no, I, I mean, you know, that play stands out, right? Ever it's viral, everybody's talking about it. So you're saying, okay, let's go watch and see some other things that he did. I, I thought John Campbell was was pretty solid. Um, bad holding penalty because he clearly didn't see the blitzer coming, right? No. And, and that was just a bad. His eyes were not good there. He blocked down and allowed the guy to get around him and, and, and was late. And so to protect his quarterback, he grabbed a hold of him. Um, then he had a pulling block on that last drive of the first half where the hole was big and he pulled and he didn't climb to the second level as fast as he needed to. He kind of missed the block there. Okay, that's two things that you talk about. What well, you can improve upon that. But again, first time in a new offense – he handled anything off the edge pretty well. Um, he, he did. He had the one penalty, which was saving his quarterback. He didn't have a bunch of false starts. I, I thought he was solid. I mean, that, that offensive line, for all of the criticism that they were getting behind the scenes from people that count, by the way, this was not fabricated, we need fodder to talk about. There was some real concerns about the, this offensive line the first couple of weeks of fall camp. I thought overall that group did did well. I put Campbell up there as a guy who probably exceeded my uh, expectations for his first game. You know, I, I don't know exactly where Gerald Mincy is. I don't know where his buy-in is at right tackle on the practice field or whatever. But I'll tell you what, he shows up when you watch the watch him on in the game tape. I mean, his athletic ability is there. They've got to rotate him in regularly to me at right tackle, um, like they did last year with JJ Crawford. I, I think you got to get Gerald Mincy in there. Thought Dane Davis for his first time at center um, was was good, and um, you know I thought Ollie Lane did a solid job. Spragans did a good job, and and Kelly Goodwin here with your with your point. Hey, maybe that's proof that the Tennessee defensive line is pretty good. You know yeah. that's why the offensive line struggled in the preseason, and maybe there's truth. I mean, there's some truth to that. I mean, that Tennessee defensive front was was pretty salty and pretty nasty <laughs> yesterday. I mean, Omar Norman Locke. <laughs> You know, Amari Thomas, uh, Bryson Eason flashed a little bit. I know they want more consistency there. Um, so I, I just, you know, I think it was a solid day for them in the line of scrimmage. They got to build off of it this week, and then the truce tests start to come. But for where they were right now, I think it's exactly what the doctor ordered yesterday, playing against a quality power or a, a power five opponent as opposed to a just a payday school. Yeah, what you're going to get this coming week at the home opener with Austin P. Took a little while for Bryson Eason to. You know, it took a couple series. He got in there and he flashed. I couldn't agree more. I thought Omar Norman Law did some things. We know about James Pierce. Tyler Barron had a day. Um, that that D line looked good. But to, to your point and and to uh, to David's point, wanting to know about the offensive line. I'll echo what you said. I um, you know, John Campbell was on five of Tennessee's seven touchdown drives at left tackle. Gerald Mincy, you're right. Don't know about the buy-in and all that, but he played right tackle. He played left tackle. He was on several, the majority of Tennessee's scoring drives as well out there. Um, he shows the versatility, and that's just going to help him as well, trying to go to the next level. He's big, he's athletic, he's got good feet. You know, this versatility aspect in this in this hypo offense as an offensive lineman, it's going to help him. And I thought, again, I thought Dane Davis looked good at center as well. And you kind of pose the question in your 10 things you think you learn, you know, if Cooper remains out and trying to get those best five, maybe look at Lane at left guard and Davis at center. You know, we'll see. But I thought Dane Davis looked pretty well in this first game at, at center playing that position too. We'll get into more of your questions. We're going to get to Cade Mays here on the other side here in just one moment. But first, we'll tell you about our friends over at Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is a fast and easy way to get your tickets to all events, sporting events like UT football, but also music, comedy, theater, all near you in the Knoxville area or wherever you call home. With Killer Deals, last-minute tickets with their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped up for all the fun that you're going to have. They got flash deals and last-minute tickets all on that app at game time. Easy to find tickets for every event in your area. Plus, they're going to send you pictures. You can view your seats, all right, just like that right there. You can view your seats before you purchase your tickets all at game time. Plus, lowest price guarantee, cancellation protection, even job loss protection as well. They truly have it all over on game time. So, forget planning months in advance. Game time's got the deals and tickets right up to the day of the event. The Game Time Guarantee means you're going to get the best price. You can find tickets in the same section 
or row for a cheaper price, GameTime will credit you 110% of that difference. I encourage you to download the GameTime app today to create an account and use the promo code VOLS, and you're going to get $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create accounts, redeem code VOLS, V-O-L-S, for $20 off your first purchase. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Cade Mays will join the show when we come back on the Rocket Top Rewind. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the Rocky Top Rewind every Sunday night here at VolQuest on the YouTube channel. Of course, on the Journal's Quarters at VolQuest.com. I'm Eric Kane. That's Brent Hubbs. Austin Price uh, is about to join us here as well. If we have Austin, he can jump on in here as we wait for Cade Mays. Austin, let's get your thoughts, big takeaways. Uh, some of your thoughts, uh, Tennessee, Virginia, a big win on opening day. Yeah, we'll see if Cade makes it. You, know, you should never know with him. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I thought, you know, on the whole, it was a solid performance. You look around college football guys and, you know, I mean, Ohio State beats Indiana 23-3. to You know, Georgia beats UT Martin 48-7. to I mean, it's the opening weekend. I mean, you know, you have the, you know, those teams like, you know, Oklahoma or Oregon who just, you know, just murdered their opponents. Um, but, you know, there was a lot of those same top scores. Tennessee did not play perfect, but on the whole, I thought they did some good things. And uh, it's just about getting better from week one to week two. And we'll see how much they can kind of get in better rhythm on the offensive side coming up uh, this weekend. And then can see if they can continue their defensive success. I think something we, we haven't really talked about much, me and Brand, we, we touched on just a hair, but special teams. Uh, there were some good, some bad. Um, man, D. Williams, he's exciting. He, he had a fumble, but had yeah. a 55-yard return. Austin, he had a 31-yard return. He gives you a chance. You're about flipping field. Uh, the inverse of that is some of those poor punch we saw yesterday. Yeah. But you talk about flipping field. I mean, that's huge. What a weapon to have at your disposal if you're Tennessee. And D. Williams, just like against Vanderbilt, just like against LSU last year, he was full force yesterday. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, outside of the one fumble, he would have had a perfect game right outside of scoring a touchdown. I mean, he he was really good in all facets. I, I thought, you know, when he got a chance to return the, the opening kickoff, you know, he hit he hit that thing. And, and you know, as Ector says, run through the smoke. I thought, you know, he looked good doing that. And that's something that, you know, we hadn't seen him do a whole lot of versus like the punt stuff, which is where he's just so dynamic and, you know, um, and just just sees the field and sees the way the blocking is setting up uh, extremely well. So they've got to clean up the special teams. You know, I mean, we do the stock ups and stock downs. I mean, it would definitely be stock down. I, you know, he had those nice returns, but punting was a you know thrill a minute. Um, the the kickoffs two out of bounds. My question for Josh Happel on Monday is going to be: Was that called, or did he just hit two bad balls? Like you know, you just never know kind of what they're doing. Are they trying to? corner it and pin it inside the five and see if their, their, you know, their teams can, you know, get down there and, and hold the opponent inside the 25 or, you know, do you just boot it to the back of the end zone if you can and say, hey, you're going to start from the 25. I, sometimes I think maybe they get a little too creative, but sometimes it works out. Yeah, I, I thought the I thought the second one, he just over, Turbinville just overcooked it, um, just trying to kick it too hard. Looked like a guy on, the, on a tee box who – was in a foursome and the first three bombed it down there. So this, the last guy thought he could hit it really hard. And that's no, not what he does. And you speaking from experience. Yeah, I'm speaking totally from experience, you know, but I, cause if you look at the rest of the kicks for Turville, when he took a little bit off, he still hit it deep into the end zone. He's clearly got a huge leg. I don't know about the first one. I, I'm not sure what that was. Cause that looked like he hit a fade instead of a hook there. So I don't know if he was trying to place that ball, which to me doesn't, I don't know why you would do that, but maybe they were just working on something. I think with D. Williams, what's going to be fascinating is how aggressive does he become um, in terms of fielding the punts? Is he going to? I mean, there was a couple that he fair caught that maybe you could have taken yeah. a chance there. Yeah. Is he is he going to be more aggressive? Is is he going to be allowed to bring everything out at the end zone? Where, where are they going to be in terms of turning him loose and what's what's a right decision and what's not a right decision? Now, I don't think he's made bad decisions on punts. There were just a couple that you kind of thought, oh, he might have, he might have 
I'm surprised he didn't take a chance there. So that'll be interesting to see. And then they've got to get the punting thing fixed. Okay. I mean, if you're going to Aussie that thing and, and roll out there, you're going to have to do it faster than that because it felt a little slow. It felt like the steps were a little off. And obviously I think he had the nerves and the jitters and you better get that out of your system because what he's going to see AP in Gainesville, Florida in two weeks is unlike anything he's ever experienced before in a night environment down there. You do not want a nervous punter down there. You want a guy who's comfortable doing what he does, whatever he's most comfortable with, do it on time, get it done and keep it simple. Yeah, hundred percent. And, you know, when you look at, you know, what he did later in the day, he had obviously the, the nice left footer, um, you know, and then, you know, the last punt, which was a really good punt, angled it towards the sidelines. The the guy, you know, back deep, you know, caught it as he was stepping out of bounds. And, and those are all good punts. You know, it's the two just dead shanks early. And, and I think just kind of seems a little like a fish out of water to a degree. Um, you know, we'll see if he, you know, can kind of get over the, the butterflies, over the nerves. Because you're right, you know, in 13 days – <laughs> that was an unforgiving place. And uh, the last thing you want is going down there and, 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 you know, really botching things. You go back to 2005, that's a team that was preseason ranked third and a punter faked a punt down there on that game. And, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, Jackson Ross is going to fake a punt in the swamp, but you, you just, you, you don't need colossal mistakes at punter or in special teams, you know, when your defense is playing well and your offense is obviously the thing most people talk about most. Speaking of the defense, you mentioned it right there, man, the, the defense was really good. And again, Virginia's offense is not going to be one of the better ones you see this year. Let's get out in front of that. They had a lot of turnover on the offensive line, new quarterback, a bunch of receivers left, all that type of stuff. But, you know, Tennessee feasted on that, did a good job. Brent yeah. and I discussed the, the front seven and, and really the – the defensive line kind of moving the line of scrimmage and playing, you know, behind the sticks and all that. 11 TFLs, four sacks, James Pierce, Tyler Barron, all that good stuff. What about the secondary? Uh, you know, rewatch and in live, you know, we were tracking up there in the press box. Healthy rotation at cornerback and at star, even before the blowouts. Andre Turrentine got in there a little bit safety, but the two top snap getters on Tennessee's defense, Wesley Walker and Jalen McCullough, right there at safety, AP. Stunned. Um, you know, I. I said in the postgame pod, I, I think for for McCullough to be at his best, they've got to find ways to spell him. I mean, if there's 80 defensive snaps, he can't play 79 or 80. He's got to play 60 to 65. You've got to find a way to steal some some, some snaps so he can kind of relax and, and continue to uh, be at his best form in the fourth quarter. And so, um, you know, I, I thought defensively this is a team that played well. Did not play perfect, um, but, you know, did what they needed to do. And, and there were multiple times in the football game where I thought, okay, Virginia's about to pop a big play, and the hole just evaporated. Like, Tennessee's team speed seemed like it was really, really good. And, um, you know, I think that's a that's a good thing to see. That's a something that they've improved on. And, again, that added depth and just development, I think, showed on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I like what Brandon Turnage did at Star. I like the rotation that they're doing there. Um, I thought Kamal hadn't. I know some people were like, turn your head, and I get that. But he didn't grab. His his, his timing was good in the two P PBUs he had. Uh, Virginia was clearly scared of Nico Slaughter. They weren't even going to throw no. the ball his way. He didn't – I mean, I, did he break a sweat? I mean, he was probably bored out there. The ball didn't come his way. Um, you know, Judy Lawley – I don't know if all those were on him or if he was supposed to have some safety help over the top on on one of those deep balls in particular that Virginia ha had. Uh, but overall, you know, I thought it was a solid start for them against a team that didn't scare you um, in terms of, of where they were. Um, new quarterback, new receivers. And listen, if Tennessee's front can get pressure the way that they got pressure, particularly in that Rabbits package, Eric, th those DBs are going to – they're going to look a lot better back there because they're not going to have to – you know, they're not going to have to hang on for dear life um, the, the way that, you, that you know, the way that they had to at different points in times last year. So we'll, we'll see if that pass rush can continue uh, the, the, with the good start that it got off to on uh, Saturday because it wasn't just the four sacks. There was a lot of pressures in there. Quarterback getting the ball out of his hands pretty quickly because heat was coming. Can Tennessee do that consistently all season long? They certainly gave the the hope that they could based on what they did yesterday.
Well, how many times did you hear after the game from players, you know, um, you know, the defensive line sets the tone for the back end. The defensive line sets the tone for the back end. And, you know, when the defensive line was able to have some pressure early, kind of rattle the quarterback, I think it just made things easier for the back end of the, and the secondary. And, you know, they played really solid football. Um, but when Tennessee can get that pressure, um, I think it drastically changes – you know, who they are in the back end overall. And, you know, so I, I'm interested to see. I talked about this, you know, yesterday with Eric and both of you all and separately. That lineup of Omar Norman Lott, Tyler Barron, and James Pierce. When those three guys are in the game, and then you add in Roman Harrison too, uh, but the, specifically the first three I talked about, I mean, th that's uh, that that's the lineup for me because I think that, you know, they all are kind of quick twitch and then they, you know, they know what they're doing. And, you know, I think that's the one that can uh, wreak the most havoc. Well, to your point, too, in that Rabbits package, I'm not taking anything away from Tyler Barron. He had a good day. But if I'm not mistaken, it was both of them. One for sure. You know, he's going up there, taking on, you know, the guard center or whatever, playing from the inside. You get the rush up field, quarterback steps up trying to evade it, and Tyler Barron's just right there to clean up. You know, I mean, that to your point, it wasn't just the sacks or the guys who were getting the sacks. It was the entire unit that was changing the line of scrimmage. I thought it was awesome. Um, you know, Brent wrote about it, and I, I noticed it made some notes on it when watching the film. James Pierce, his first sack, you know, he ducked under, went inside, used that speed to get back up there because if he went outside, he'd be in trouble. You'll know, give it up outside contain the second time just went right around the edge speed both times the finesse Brent uh, James Pierce is a guy that the ceiling's always been incredibly high last year you had to develop and, and try to get bigger and all that but you know Joshua Joseph was a little bit more polished saw a little bit more run but buying into the offseason teammates said they weren't surprised by that game yesterday and that was good to see because I mean if James Pierce can can get you pressure like that consistently, again, that's going to help your whole defense, especially your back end. Well, and, and listen, I think you can over you can over evaluate one game the same way you can over evaluate a media day appearance or a media appearance. James Pierce had a really good day. He met with the media afterwards, seemed comfortable. Um, his maturity seemed to, to come through. I mean, Rodney Garner has talked since spring about wanting somebody – to assert themselves off the off the edge and a Leo to assert themselves. And it's been James Pierce has been that guy that's asserted himself, AP. Um, can he do it consistently? We'll see. I, I don't know. I mean, obviously everybody, he's got tape now. Everybody's going to start bringing some help his way, right? I mean, you know. But that makes things easier yeah. for the other guys. Absolutely. And, that, and he's got to understand that that's part of the game and how it goes and his maturity has to go there. But for all the things that happened yesterday, when you walked out of the stadium, the, the thing, if you're a Tennessee fan, that I would have felt the best about was the defense in general. And then specifically, it would have been James Pierce. Because when I rewatched it, Eric, it wasn't just two sacks with James Pierce. Oh, he, he, he was, he was back active there. the entire the, – and particularly the first half. I mean, he was – I mean, he, he was impressive in what he did beyond just the two sacks. And here's the other thing, too. Rodney Garner played 11 or 12 guys, 12 snaps or more yesterday up front. And nobody played more than 32 snaps. Roman Harrison got 32. I mean, they got a lot of bodies to work with right now. They got, you know, they got to stay healthy, but they got a lot of people to work with right now. That's that depth showing through. And um, I think that's a huge encouraging sign uh, for, for Tennessee because, listen, they played that basically straight up. I think they twisted maybe one time. You know, Tyler Barron was on a, on a loop maybe once. They did not play a lot of games up there. They didn't do a lot of disguising stuff. They basically said, hey, here we come. See if you can do something with us. And Virginia couldn't do anything with them. Yeah, didn't have to do a whole lot in that game. But my question for both of you guys now is you had the win. It was expected. I think it was good that Tennessee's offense faced a little adversity and, and tipped the cap to the defense for playing lights out, playing on a short field and all that in the first half. It was good that the offense faced a little bit of adversity against a power five opponents, a defensive line that's pretty well respected, but a team that's not very good. Now you go to your home opener in Austin P, and, and it really shouldn't be a challenge at all. What's the challenge for Tennessee this week in practice and on Saturday, Austin, to, you know, what, what do you want to see some improvements in a game where you're not facing a power five opponent? But no, it's, it's still really important because knowing what's to come the next week on the road against a rival and an SEC opponent. 
got to find the rhythm in the passing game. If, you, if your head coach is kind of semi-calling you out after the game, you know, I think it's important to kind of figure that out uh, this week. And uh, I think they need to continue to figure out who their best five are on the offensive line. I'm not sure Andre Keurig is the guy at left guard. I, You know, Dane Davis was solid at center. If the combination of Dane Davis at center and Ollie Lane at left guard is your best five, I think that's something you got to take a hard look at. Um, you know, I, I ultimately think that, you know, sure, the offensive line held up really solid. They gave up one sack. They ran for almost 300 yards. Um, Virginia's defensive line was missing one of their best players. Um, you know, um, you know, and so, like, uh, they're good, not great, right? Like, what's Florida like? I think they're a little better probably in the interior of the defensive line than Virginia is. I think you want to continue to try to figure out who your best five are. Is that Gerald Mincy at right tackle? Can you get him to fully embrace that, you know, being on the field? You know, I, I think that's something I would be wanting to try to push for this week. Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to keep rotating guys, but I think you're rotating with a little more sense of purpose. Um, Eric probably looking for something instead of necessarily having a plan going in and say, hey, we're going to play this number, this guy X number of snaps. You're probably going in to say, I want to look at this combination specifically, whatever that combination is and try to go that way. I think they're going to rotate and end up probably playing seven guys, ultimately, um, on the offensive line, at least for a while here until Cooper Mays is back, um, and, and we'll see what that looks like. I think the big overarching thing this week is J- Josh Heupel has spoken um, glowingly about this team's maturity. How mature are you this week? Okay, listen, nobody – I mean, you're not even going to be on the Vegas board, right, for odds. I mean, this game is – nobody – this game should be over before you ever kick it off. You're going to win the football game, um, you know, unless something catastrophic, unimaginable happens. How do you prepare this week, right, AP? Like, like how, how mature are you about your business? Are you just getting through the week? Are you just getting by? Or are you really going to, to, to go to work to get better? I mean – Lots of these guys got off to a good start. But James Pierce can't be satisfied with a quarter and a half of good play to open the season. He's got to continue to go forward. Arian Carter, Davin Hobbs, all the way down the list. Over on the other side, McCollin Castles, Dante Thornton. Man, you got you got to get in a better rhythm. Got to get going and, and, and figure things out a little bit. So where's the maturity level to really go to work this week as opposed to saying, Let's just get through Saturday so you can turn all your attention to Florida. I, that's a big picture of question for me right now. Well, this is a game where everybody should eat, right? Dante Thornton should eat. Brew McCoy should eat. James Pierce should eat. Like, this is a game where you had the stats. I mean, if you're James Pierce and you had two sacks in game one, aren't you excited to get there against an inferior opponent where you could rack up a few more? I mean, yeah, but, but, Harold, but you, Harold, Harold Perkins had was third in the SEC. Like, I think about how, many, how much people talk about him. Uh, you know, he was third in the SEC last year with eight and a half sacks. And I get what you're saying. Like, you, you want to continue to build, right? Like, you, you, it's more than just about, you know, getting your stats. You want to continue to build and improve and, and show that you're more than just a, a, a one-hit wonder, a one-and-a-half one quarter wonder, um, you know, and, and you want to continue to get better. So, um, no, I, I'm with you 100% over. Well, I mean, listen, they could go and just run enough this week to keep their cardio in shape and never pull a football out and should take care of business on Saturday, right? So so they're yeah. going to get stats, whether you mail it in this week on the practice field or you really focus or not. My question is, are you truly going to use this week individually to get better? And then from a coaching standpoint, are you going to use this week to find anything else you need to find, to really dive in and look at things? Are we going to see guys play – two or three series into the second half when the game is out of reach, are you really going to go? I mean, I'm letting Nico go this week, yeah. right? Like let's, I mean, I, I said this on the board, you got a 35, nothing lead at the half. I wouldn't play my starters to start the second half. And I know, well, they got to come out of the locker room and get warmed up and get their one series. No, they don't. Don't play them. Play those other guys. I mean, let those guys grow and get better because you never know who you're going to need. The other thing too is, you want that depth to keep building? Let, as Austin says, let those guys eat. The guys who got just a handful of snaps, right? right. Jeremiah this week, right? Jeremiah, I, say, I mean, Carter, Ethan Davis, some of those guys, man, they they, they got to get work this week. It's a big week for them, in my opinion. 
Brent and I, or uh, AP and I, and Matt talked about this on the the post game podcast, and it's you know AP's reasoning was Aaron Carter was behind Beasley, and they kept they kept Beasley out there the entire time almost. I was so shocked that it took so long to see Aaron Carter. I mean, we got we got some Elijah Herring in there as well, but uh, were you surprised at all? I mean, Aaron Carter felt like by the time he played defense, Tennessee had won the game. You know, a couple hours ago, it took a while. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I mean, I, to be honest with you, I would have played. I would have played Caleb Herring a little bit more. I would have played yeah. Arian Carter a little bit more. No offense to Roman Harrison. You know, there could have been a few snaps there that could have went to Herring. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have, you know, I would have liked to have seen um, Carter get more snaps and Beasley less snaps. T. Lander only got seven. Yeah. Um, I, I just think that you got to continue to build in that. That's a position guys get beat up, get banged up with those types of things. I, I think you got to make sure it's one thing to talk about all the depth you have. But you really got to build that depth because that depth is youth, it's youth, and and they haven't played yet. You better get them as much work as they can get. So as Tim Banks said on Volcos, the first time you get pressed into duty is not the first time you get pressed into duty. To do that, you got to play guys, and that starts with him at the safety position. Okay, <laughs> I mean, you know, stubborn, hard-headed creature, habit, whatever you want to say. Let Jordan Thomas play. Let Turrentine play. Brooks play. Whoever those guys are more snaps, um, you better turn them loose this week, in my opinion. Get, get as much work out of those guys as they could get because um, the, the, you may not get a ton of other t- opportunities to do this until you're forced to play those guys in some extreme emergency situation, AP. Yeah, like William Wright against Alabama. Exactly. Great There's example. Sean Rucker played a ton against Alabama as well. I know he's played a little bit, but, you know. Yeah, he, no, he's, he, I mean, both those are great examples. Yeah. Serious question, and I'm not trying to be funny. Is there another slot receiver on this team outside of Dante Thornton and and uh, Squirrel White? Well, that's good because you're not really funny. Because um, <laughs> yeah, um, Dante Thornton was out there with the second offense Chaz on Nimrod the wide series of inside. Hmm? They worked Chaz Nimrod some last year at inside, so he can play the, the, the slot if need be. Okay. I, I was a little confused. I know Squirrel was out, and so Dante Thornton was out there playing a lot like towards the end. It's like, get him off the field. Yeah, you know, see, I, I'm with you because you worry about the injury thing. I think Dante Thornton needs as much as many reps in this offense yeah. as he can get to get comfortable. I, I think that – I think he's one of the guys that would be lumped in AP into that first half of we're a little out of kilter here. I think I think he was part yeah. of the skill group of guys that was a little bit out of kilter in the first half. He probably needs – you know, you can't shut everybody down because you're worried about injury, but he's probably a guy who needs bunch of, a bunch of reps before you get ready for conference play. Yep, that's a thousand percent right. Because here's the thing, too. No offense to Squirrel White. I love what a lot of Squirrel White does. Can he really hold up 12 games physically? I think that's still – I know he's bigger. I know he's tough as nails and all well, that. He's, sti- he's, he's bigger, but he's still big. small. He's still not very big. So can he take a pounding as a slot receiver for an entire year? You better be able to rotate there, which means you better get Dante Thornton up to speed and get him ready to go. Tennessee's 1-0, 49-13 win over Virginia in the season opener. And a lot of SEC teams got going a couple earlier in the week. Of course, it's old old news now. Sorry, I got a video playing in my earphones right now. Sorry about that. Um, it's like old news that Florida what are you doing, lost. Watching, watching another ball game while you're trying to host this show? He's bored. He's bored. I'm on ESPN. It's a pop-up. Wow. We all know we don't like those pop-ups, right? Wow. Uh, Florida Thanks. losing Thanks, to Utah. Rob. That was old news. That was earlier in the week. But uh, Georgia, a little slow getting to go against UT Martin. But, of course, it was a blowout 48-7. to Alabama the same way until Milrow had five touchdowns, 56-7. to The big one last night that Grant and I were listening to on the way home, and I finished up when we got here, got to the house, North Carolina. You know, beat South Carolina 31-17. to That offensive line, Austin, Serious question mark for South Carolina and Shane Beamer. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, realistically, you know, if, if, you know, the chain gang wasn't eating a hot dog and, you know, <laughs> like the announcers weren't going for a popcorn, South Carolina wins that game. I mean, it, it was pretty clear, clear to see. I mean, and this is what we mean when Austin and I had those comments at SEC Media Days. Yeah. I mean, listen, like, it, Here's the crazy. Just say you lost a big game and move on. Yeah, you can exactly. be mad. I mean, he he makes. Yeah, I mean, like I get it. If, if he's your coach, you're all in on all the all the shtick, right? But like you know, just say sometimes it's okay to just say, "Hey, look, they were better tonight. We have to be better next week. We got to go back to the drawing board. Start right now. It's on me as the head coach. Blah blah blah. Um, you know, 
for, for South Carolina, I mean, Spencer Rattler was 30 to 39 for 370 yards. They scored 18 or 17 points. I mean, you know, they, he threw the ball away a bunch more out of, you know, out of those incompletions just because he was getting flushed out of the pocket. I mean, he really, you know, threw it well. Um, the problem is they just don't have anybody to block it up up front. I'm not sure they're going to get a whole lot better. So, you know, and they got Georgia in two weeks, Tennessee and, and, you know, at the end of the month, like this is a, uh, potentially really tough start. If Tennessee does what they're capable of doing, which is take care of business, Tennessee could put Florida season on the ropes in 13 days and put South Carolina season on the ropes hover at the end of the month. And that's two teams in your own division where you're recruiting against them. They both have decent classes, you know, and, and all of a sudden you start to create doubt in some of the recruits minds about what the direction of Florida is and what the direction of South Carolina is. If you can take care of business. Yeah. And, and that's the, th- I mean, you know, South Carolina had no running game at all. And, and I think that was an eye opener for everybody. And, you know, they're got a first year coordinator. How does Dow Loggins develop and what happens there? Um, North Carolina's all giddy about it because they got all those sacks, but then North Carolina did everything they could to give that ball game back in the yeah. fourth quarter. Like, what are you doing? Put the game away. They had a hard time putting that game away last night, but defensively North Carolina was a, was a lot faster and um, you know, Spencer Rattler is going to run a lot and he's going to get hit a lot this month. If that offensive line doesn't take some real steps in a hurry. Um, and, and I think the same at Florida right now, you know, with Florida's offensive line, um, you know, Birch doesn't move around a whole lot. He got, he got knocked around pretty good by a Utah team that was without their best linebacker and without their best defensive lineman. Um, so, you know, we talk about, you know, the Tennessee's offensive line play and um, talked about where it was in the preseason and all those types of things. There was some offensive line play around the conference this week that was a little bit of a, you know, kind of yikes deal. Now, I think Alabama looks like they found their quarterback. I mean, and, and where they go now, we'll see how he plays against Texas. It's a little bit different when he plays there. But, yep. you know, obviously he, he separated himself. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I think that you're still trying to figure out a lot about this conference right now. Um, and we'll see LSU's just taking the lead. So we'll see how they do uh, the rest of this game here. That's a heavyweight fight. I think LSU's pretty good. I think, I think they got a lot, a lot of tools, and a lot of things to work with. So we'll learn a lot more about this conference over the course of the next two weeks. Talking about Florida's offensive line too. I mean, jumping off side, false starting on third and fourth down, two number threes out there that leads to a, I mean, it's week one, I get it, but gosh, I mean, it was, it was a disgusting football game on Florida's behalf just because of all the self-inflicting errors as well. Well, uh, and that's, thing, the, that's another ahead. thing I don't think that, that we probably – Tennessee probably gets a ton of credit for. I mean, yeah, the punt, the punter was bad. But Tennessee didn't have a ton of self-inflicted, you know, goofy, you know, pre-snap penalties. What they do? They jump off sides twice and they fought, had two false starts. One was a clear sideline communication because they ran squirrel wide on – yeah. You know, right at the end of the play clock, and Ramel Keaton jumped off sides. But they tackled well. For the most part, Tennessee was pretty clean, which I think is a good start for, for them in week one. We'll see where it goes from here. A lot to get into this week coming off a Tennessee season opening win. Austin Price, first home game. Tennessee will have an official visitor, and uh, quickly just kind of the – we'll know more as the week goes on. But a big opportunity in terms of recruiting for Tennessee to host some guys. Yeah, it'll be a bunch of fun official visitors here, especially 25s and 26s. And, of course, the big one will be Chris Cole, as he will announce on Sunday. He'll visit Tennessee officially starting uh, in the wee hours of the middle of the night, Friday night, and all day Saturday, and then we'll head back home Sunday morning. And he was in Norman this past weekend? No, he was at Southern Cal. Southern Cal, Southern Cal. All right, Chris Cole, the linebacker, will be here this weekend for Tennessee's home opener against Austin P. We've got complete reaction, takeaways, uh, film reviews, things we learned, all that stuff. From Tennessee's 49 to 13 win over Virginia Saturday at Nissan Stadium for uh, the first official start of the Tennessee football season, 1 and 0. And we'll have Austin P for the home opener coming up this week. All the coverage at VolQuest.com, the General's Quarters throughout the week. We got like 17 podcasts, we got matchup pieces, we got a lot going on. So go ahead and join us over at the GQ right now at VolQuest.com. Appreciate you guys for watching us here on the Rocket Top Rewind for sending in your questions. I'm Eric Kane, and that is Brent Hubbs and Austin Price. Big shout out to Spivey King and Spivey LLP for making this coverage possible. We'll see you next week, right back here on the Rocky Top Rewind.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.